Hi, this is Julian. I hope you're feeling good today. Welcome to another episode of The Learner's Forecast, Innovators on the Horizon, in which every week we ask one expert in learning about their opinions on our future. How does the future of learning and education looks like? If you are ready, I'm ready, and we can dive into the podcast this week. Good day, everyone. Uh, a new episode of our podcast show. And uh, today, someone very interesting, uh, in my opinion, uh, Emmanuel, you're uh, the uh, head of research at the Human Technology Foundation. And you're a French philosopher uh, of technologies, a artificial intelligence ethicist. I also read somewhere that you actually ser served in the French Air Force. Uh, and there's about 10 or 20 other things, I think, uh, which come to which I found about you on the internet. Uh, all very interesting, in my opinion. Um, but I think you're probably much better yourself uh, in introducing yourself than I am. So, yeah, can you just uh, tell us a little bit who you are and uh, what keeps you, uh, yeah, what not, not what keeps you awake at night, but what keeps you uh, inspired and going during the day and what you like to do? And, uh, yeah, who are you? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, uh, th th thank you first for having me. Uh, who, who am I? Actually, I'm, I, I self-label myself as a... Uh, an ethicist, right? Meaning that I'm working on ethics applied to artificial intelligence. Uh, as you were mentioning it, I've, I've also served in the uh, French Air Force uh, in France. And this is where actually I started working on these kind of things. Obviously, military ethics is kind of a really big field, right? And at some point in France, we were uh, looking at renewing our fleet of drones. And at the same time, actually, the U.S. was using its own drones in the tribal zone in Pakistan, right? So there were, there were lots of ethical questions, lots of ethical issues, and I've been asked to work on that specifically. And from drones to little autonomous weapons, uh, meaning that you have those weapons, weapon systems that are fitted with artificial intelligence, I just moved to artificial intelligence, right? And then when I left the military, I, I, I kept working on this on this very uh, thing. Uh, what 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 uh, keeps me awake, I would say, uh, is mostly all the, the, the question, the philosophical questions that are related to the development and the use of artificial intelligence. And, and what, what, why would I say that is because I feel like uh, there is a lack of reflection on that kind of things. And I guess we will touch upon that during the, the discussion. Uh, so I'm, I'm just passionate about philosophy, about stoicism, mostly. Love it as well. Ethics, lot, right? So this is what I, I'm. I'm really curious. I'm just. Uh, I'm just really interested in all those things. And there is something also that I'm. I'm really uh, interested in, which is the cultural dimension of ethics, uh, which is also something that we are all missing, right? We all feel like we. There is only one perspective. Uh, why there are many, many perspectives depending on your culture and, and your uh, philosophical stances, your spirituality, and this kind of thing. So that's also something that is really fascinating. And is it then also like the cultural differences, like the perspective on AI? Does that, are there a lot of different kind of views? Is that culturally determined? Sure. Yes, yes. Definitely that, that's, that's mostly related to um, the kind of relation that you have with technology or technological artifacts. When you go to animist you know, countries, when you go, for example, in Japan, they are Shintoist and they have this animist perspective. They don't have the same relation to technology than we have in the Western world at large, right? They are less reluctant to use uh, those artifacts and they do not consider them as something that is really different from human beings because mm. they feel like 
let's say, objects, all objects have kind of a soul, right? So they feel like the relation is more flattened than to us in the, let's say, Western world. We have a really hierarchical perspective. There is human beings on the top, right? And then you have human nature and technological artifacts. And if you're a believer, then you have God above you, right? But for those people that are that have this animist perspective, everything is flat. So you're just part of a network uh, of which artifacts are part with animals, with plants, with human beings, right? And then you're sharing things. So you're not threatened by those things. You're just living with them, right, in harmony. And that's that's the perspective of animism. It's funny. I was lately reading a book by Dan Brown, and it was about uh, the future. And it was like a founder of a startup, an AI startup, who could predict the future and the past mm -hmm. by using AI. And it like shook all religions in the world, because if you could like explain where we come from and where we're going, like that's one of the biggest questions which religion takes care of. And then like that made me think of like your, your triangle with like how we see hierarchy, like the AI predicted, and that was very shocking to everyone that the humankind would just evolve into AI. So it would, you would see a bubble, which was the power of human beings on the earth and would just like small, like diminish and diminish and diminish, and then become a part of this AI and human bubble. But it's funny mm -hmm. that indeed in, in different cultures, it's already basically... It, it, it's, it's related to something that is really interesting also is the fact that, uh, let's say in Western countries, that the heritage that we have from the, uh, let's say, uh, uh, Greek philosophy, uh, which is the control. We are, we are always in, in search of control of yeah. our environment. And we feel like technology is a way to control the environment. And then when you develop technology, you have also to control technology. When yes. you see the, the, the world as a flattened world, where there is interaction and harmony, you don't need this kind of control. So you do not need to stay on top of the hierarchy. So you do not compete. You live with, right? Uh, and, and that's a totally different perspective uh, regarding the world. And, and when you go, once again, in animist uh, perspective, like Shinto or even uh, Maori in, in New Zealand or the Aboriginal people in Australia or even First Nation in, in, in uh, Northern America, you have this very different perspective, which is they are not scared by technology. I, I used to give this really interesting example, which is when you go to Europe or, or the US, you have what we call the Terminator syndrome which is AI becoming a threat to humanity, right? Which is the mainstream discourse about the existential threat. When you go to Japan, you have Astro Boy. And Astro Boy is a robot that is helping humans. It's not threatening them, mm. right? So two different ways to see how technology and humans are interacting. Uh, and, and that's and really something fascinating. That is very fascinating. But also if you like look, look your your passion for stoicism, like I think if you ask Aurelius, like his only thing or his core belief is that you can't influence your circumstances, right? And you just need to do the best with what you can. So if he would live right now, then how would he look at AI? It's just like, hey, it's gonna, it's it's happening either way. It's like you, yeah, we're not. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess he would take some distance about that and say, okay, it's it's not on me to change things, right? It's here, and we just have to deal with that, right? Uh, and we have to make the most of it. It's, it's not about controlling. I can control my own feeling, my own experience, the way I'm interacting with technology, but I cannot control technology per se. That doesn't make really sense, right? So you just have to step back and say, okay, I can, I will have, I have to act only upon things that, uh, that I can change, right? Which basically is how I feel and what I am and, 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 and what, what is my, 
relation to technology, not the object itself, right? Because the object is here and then you cannot do anything against that. You cannot remove it. You cannot remove artificial intelligence from the, you know, from the world. So, so it's, it's all about, oh, what can I do to, to, to live with that? I never, never, I never thought about like a different cultural perspective. It makes so much sense. Before we get too much too deep into this, because right. I think this is extremely interesting. Um, but I was wondering, since uh, we have a lot of listeners who are some, well, everyone is related to education, I think, in general, but also work in education or um, are educators themselves or, uh, yeah, are really passionate about it in general. If we look towards artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence and education, what's what do you think? What's what are what, what are most people missing? Like, what are we not getting? Uh, I mean, the first thing is that we cannot address this kind of questions at a really high level of abstraction. So that's the big problem. That and mostly for 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 the European Union and and even also the. Um, uh, the US and Canada, we are seeing the world through the unique lens of the Western world, right? And this is related to the culture. And what we're missing is that each time you're talking about AI and education, AI and finance, AI and logistics and these kind of things on AI, AI and environment, if you're taking, if you're addressing that at a really high level of abstraction, you will never find any kind of solution, right? Because compromises are really, really, really difficult to reach. Right. So if you want to make a change, and that's a big problem that we have today, is that if you want to make a change, you really have to reduce the level of abstraction. You have to talk about, for example, AI education in France. And even mm -hmm. that, that might be really complex, right? Because AI education, education in France is not AI education in Africa, for example, in, in Mali, let's say, to be more specific, right? That's not the same thing. That might not be the same thing like AI education in Japan, where the relation to technology is different. Right. So that's the first thing is that most of us, we, we see the world through the unique lens of our culture. And that, that's a big problem because mostly uh, we have this really universalist approach, right? Cosmopolitan approach. Uh, and, and we feel like our concerns are common concerns all around the world, which is first mistake. And then because those concerns are supposed to be universal, then the solution might be universal. Right? And then you we feel like we can spread the word about our own solutions. And we do not take into account the fact that maybe our concerns are not concerns for others. And then mm. our solutions to the, our problems are not solutions to others. You so see what I, I mean? Went, that, that, that's, yeah. that's a big issue. That's so I, really I, went wrong, I went in the wrong direction straight away by even asking this. I mean, it's, I guess it's normal to ask this kind of big question, right? But then the next step is to say, okay, what can I do with this kind of question? If I want to address this question at the really high level of abstraction, it's pointless, yeah. right? I, I, I used to, to take the example of the uh, human rights declaration, right? Uh, if, if, you, if you say that, okay, human rights must be respected at the really high level of abstraction, you see that it cannot be operationalized. That doesn't work for some people, for some country, for some human communities in some situation. Human rights are not something that must be respected or, or people do not feel that they must be respected, right? So you, yeah. you really have to, to be really specific when we're talking about this kind, of, this kind of thing. If you want to have an impact, right? Or if you don't, obviously you can do like the UNESCO, you can have this kind of really big recommendation that will not be used, that will not be implemented or that will be poorly implemented. Uh, so... Okay, it's, some people would say it's better than nothing. I really hate this phrase. 
uh, because no, I don't think it's better not, than nothing. But if you really want to have an impact, then you have to think about this level of abstraction and think about the fact that the way you see the world might be different from others. The, the way you see the relation between AI and education might be different from one country to another. Even yeah. the way you see education itself. Yeah. Right? I, I've, I've had the chance to travel a lot and I, I've been teaching in many countries all around the world. I can tell that education in Canada, for example, which is a Western country, is not the same as education in France, which is not the same as education in Morocco. Yeah. Right? It's so interesting. This, this, yeah. If you put that's, up that's, your, Yeah. Sorry, 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 please. You go ahead. You're oh, no, no, I, I mean, I mean that, that, that's something that, that we are missing. And that's, I mean, that's not some, that's not from bad intention. It's just because we do not think about that. Yeah. And it seems sometimes like that people just like, if you need to make a global regulation for AI in education, then people just create rules, push them into the world, and then they're done with it. But indeed, that's not solving anything. You need to look into very specific cases right. and see right. and have it. Right, right. It's a common, uh, I would say, a common mannequin perspective, which is putting universalists against relativists, right? And, and in the Western world, like if you say, for example, I'm a relativist, that is kind of an insult. People would say that you're labeled with a really rude word, right? They don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> if they feel like promoting universalism is something that is worse being done, but it's not always true. And, and, and I've seen that with, for example, trying to spread democracy around the world, right? We went to Afghanistan. We tried to implement democracy in a country that was not ready for that, right? And what happens after 20 years, we have to, to withdraw and back to square one yeah. because it doesn't work. And, and it, it, does, it does even more harm than, than good, right? So that, that's a big problem. Yeah. So what that's, is- that's one, one, of, one of the points. Uh, I don't know if you want... I, there are a lot of other things that... That uh, that might be uh, considered about uh, about AI education. Something that I think is really important that is missed, and I've, I haven't seen that uh, anywhere, is the fact that AI might, at some point, jeopardize our soft skills. Yeah. And especially in education, that's something that is really important, right? Because uh, let's say that, for example, you are asking generative AI, ChatGPT, or whatever, or Bard, or Midjourney to to um, to generate some text or images, right? Uh, let, let's talk just about text, right, for a student uh, to us, because I guess you did not have ChatGPT when you were a student, right? Uh, I, I mean, we had we had to use our brains and our soft skills to make inferences, to organize our ideas, to make researches, right, and then to present our ideas in a specific way, and then to communicate verbally with people and this kind of thing, right? So we had to develop this kind of soft skills. Now you just have to put a prompt on ChatGPT, and then you have a text. So all the skills that you need from, okay, I have the question, I have the subject that I have to address, and this is the product, this is my dissertation, all the skills that are in between, they have done by ChatGPT. So you lost it. Hmm. You lost the soft skills, right? And and the problem with the soft skills is that most companies now, they are looking much more for soft, soft skills than art skills because it's it's the only thing that will help you to move from one uh, position to another, one job to another. Right, it's not the art skills. If you know how to program, that's an art skill. That's great. But maybe in three, four, five years, programmers will no longer be useful. Then you will have to jump to something else. So, what will you use? Not the art skills. You will have to use soft skills to interact with people, to make decision, to plan your work, to make inferences, to make decision, to collaborate. This kind of things, right? 
Yeah. And, and, and I mean, generative AI specifically and AI at large, they are really jeopardizing this, this kind of soft skills, which is a big issue, I guess. Yes. What is the biggest misconception about AI? Because you, you work, you think about it every day. Like what, what do you, you speak to a lot of people, you uh-huh. give them talks, like, is there, is there something like, is there a general or what, like a top three misconceptions of what people uh, yeah, the, the, the first, and I guess the most important one is, is AI itself. Artificial intelligence is a big misconception, right? It, it's, it's an anthropomorphized way to label algorithms. So which makes people think, and that's a really big misconception, that they are interacting with sentient agents, right? You're feeling like they are intelligent that doesn't mean anything. First, because we're not able to define what intelligence is, and we can even discuss about artificial, what that means exactly, philosophically speaking, that might take hours to, to, to discuss that, right? So the first misconception about AI is it, it's AI itself, right? And the way we understand what AI is or what AI might be. The, the, uh, the second one is uh, the fact that you have to take a stance and be either a technophobe, or a technophile, right? Yes, very you have, good point. You have either to fear it, like, okay, that's an existential threat, like Elon Musk yeah. and, and Atman and Stephen Hawking and this kind of people, right? Saying, okay, we will die and that will that will be the end of the human race, this kind of thing. Or you have to feel like, okay, technology is the panacea, right? It will it, It's a one-size-fits-all solution for all our problems, mm-hmm. right? And, and people, when, when you are in between and when you're new and saying, okay, they are really good consequences and bad consequences, and we have to think about all of them. People, they don't like that. Mostly, they, they want to have this kind of, you know, strong polarization, yes. right? Yeah. And, and, that and that, that, was, <laughs> that makes it very easy, right, for everyone. Yes, ex- exactly, exactly. And, and this is also related to the high level of abstraction of the debate, right? When you're talking about something at a really high level of abstraction, you do not need any kind of expertise, so if you want to enter the discussion, you just need to need to, to learn a narrative, right? Which is your stance. I'm against that. And then I will learn all the information that will help me to support the mm. fact that I'm against. And I don't have to think about it. I don't need to be an expert, right? Because you are high level of abstraction. If you go deeper into the subject, then you discover that it's really complex and that having a stance or taking a stance is almost impossible. So each time people are taking a strong stance about, okay, I'm against or I'm in favor, I can say that they're not experts. That is a very good baseline to, to keep in mind, indeed, because it's, uh, it, well, it's just our human brain, right? It just wants to have stuff easy and like be very easy to scan our surroundings if there's danger or not, and also have like very quick opinions because back in the days it was very good to have quick opinions. Mm-hmm. your life but now indeed we stretch it towards topics we don't know anything about and just say like yes or no which are way too complex right. Even, yeah right and and, and the, the crazy thing is that um uh, i would say modern, modern medias and and, and and social network they they are actually asking you to take stance in some point right there is this kind of really strong injunction saying okay which 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 side are you in and then you have to take your sense. I don't want to be on, on this side or this side. I don't, I don't care. I'm just in between. I'm just thinking about it, right? And and if you do that, people say, okay, because you, you don't know about it, so you don't have any kind of... Yes, it's because I know about it that I cannot take a stance, right? 
But you have this kind of social pressure saying, okay, are you against this? Are you against that? Or are you in favor? Are you pro or con? And you feel like, okay, that's, I, I just have to withdraw from this injunction. I, I just have to, to say, okay, I, I don't want to take stance, but it's sometimes difficult, right? But uh, yeah, that, that's, that's another problem that we have here. Yes, it's mixed in everything. Like, I don't know if you get, would get a, a newspaper article with the title, like, uh, Emmanuel doesn't take a stand in, <laughs> in this. Like, people are, people are not going to click on them. Like, they want to have a very strong opinion. That, 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 that's funny because philosophically speaking, not taking a stance is a stance in itself, right? Yeah. So yeah. that might be my stance not taking stance, which is kind <laughs> of paradoxical, right? <laughs> stance inception. <laughs> oh, and last thing which I was curious what you think about that so like the, um, as an ethicist like if we fast forward 10 years from now like what, what are things we are going to encounter uh, as human beings like concerning the use of AI like what are ethical points of like eth ethical problems could you call them problems ethical challenges or ethical things where we, we will be encountering together with all of us it's, it's, it's always difficult to have this kind of you know uh, prospective perspective, actually, uh, because we, we don't know what the future will be made of first. And because I don't know how the future gener generation will uh, will see artificial intelligence technology. We we used to say that and that's the same for environment. We used to say that we have us, our generation, my generation, some kind of responsibility toward the future. But that's something that is totally nonsensical in the way that I don't know what people will expect for the next generation. Right, so I'm I'm I cannot be responsible about something that I don't know about. Right, maybe maybe I don't know. In 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, uh, people will be really happy wearing you know uh, goggles and and living in a virtual world. They will not even care about trees and nature and birds and this kind of thing. Maybe that that's exactly what they will be willing is is just to you know uh, uh, stay into their living room and, and interacting virtually with others. I don't know that. Right. So when I'm taking responsibility, saying, okay, I, I have to think about the ethical issues that will be faced in the future, it is based on my perspective from now, right? And as an old guy, I'm also influenced by my own education, right? And maybe oh, I already, I have a son, he's 20, and I feel like even with him, there are some different oh, I perspectives. Said you had 20 sons, but your son is 20, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My son is 23, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But, you know, for example, about privacy, when we're talking about privacy, um, is is way less uh, concerned about that than I am, because I'm I'm older, because my background is different, because lots of things, right? So I, I don't know what will happen. the The only big ethical concern, uh, maybe that we can foresee for now, is is how what what kind what kind of future do we see for us as human being, and and in the relation that we have with technology. Do we see like transhumanist people, uh, technology taking over human beings or having our brain downloaded, uploaded in, in, in computers and machines? Or do we see some kind of collaboration, having human beings and, and machines at the same level working together? Or do we see machines, once again, you know, uh, using human beings as slaves? Uh, and, and this is something that my concern is that we are not, it's not about what will happen, it's about the fact that we are not even considering this kind of question. We are running after technology. We are not thinking about what's the next step. What, what do we want as a community? What do we want as French people? What do we want as human beings uh, for the future? 
what, what is our expectation regarding the relation of the role of artificial intelligence in the world and in education, for example, or, or in, other, in other fields, right? And, and my concern is that we are not doing this kind of work. My concern is that we are actually not doing ethics at all. We are not doing that, right? We are just promoting vested interests and, and we are promoting, you know, financial interests, uh, public and, 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 and private actors uh, together. But we are not, we, we, I guess we, we should take the time, all generation, take the time to say, okay, where are we going? What is the kind of future that we want? And this is something that we're not doing because we don't have time, because we don't want to, because lots of people are lobbying against that. The norms entrepreneurs are promoting their own interests once again, and their their own standards, and and this is something that is pretty concerning to me. Very fair point. I actually said it like before we we were recording. I said uh, I was thinking like that. That for me, it is a really very very um, good good thought that we have smart people like you who actually think about stuff like this and work and think and and make sure that we don't indeed like you should envision a future and see how you can leverage technology instead of letting technology go on its own and see and then see how you end up in the future thank you thank you for that um last question for uh you today um since we always believe that bright minds know bright minds who do you think should um should be a guest on our show next like if we look towards AI or education on itself, like who could be interesting to talk to? Um, I, I would say uh, first because he's a really good friend of mine and because I think he's a really bright person. And also for the sake of cultural diversity, I would recommend Dr. Abdelila Kadili from the Tapenkin Foundation in Morocco uh, because he's working in, in this field in education and how to use uh, technology in education. Uh, and because he has a really, really... Uh, really interesting perspective on that, right? And and that's not a Western perspective. So he has its own perspective based on on the problems that that the African continent and and even the Maghreb is is facing with his just generation, right? And and I think that that might be really interesting to have this perspective from another uh, part of the world, from someone who is brilliant again, uh, and someone that I I really 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 uh, respect because he's is really a really beautiful person. That's very good words if someone says that about you. And that is, yeah, we will get into contact with him. And I, I do agree with your uh, idea that it's also, it, we need to get different views from different different areas in the world because it's because it's very boring to have the same kind of people always. Like, right, right, you know, right. Like, no insult meant because I've, I love this conversation. <laughs> I agree, I agree. I totally agree, yeah. yeah. But that's very, it's very good point. Cool. Then... Um, I actually learned a lot and I really enjoyed our last, what is it, 26 minutes? Great. Um, I think there's there's like five more hours in your brain, which I would like to pick, but I, I will leave you off the hook right uh, for now. Uh, and just sincerely, thank you for, uh, for, for you. your point of view. And I, um, yeah, I hope no, we, uh, like I can pick your brain at any time in the future, like hopefully we'll run into each other because this, uh, sure. this was very valuable. Thank you very uh, much. Sure. For, for, for sure we will. And, and th thank you for the invitation. That was really, really, really thrilling. And I really enjoyed it. Thank you for that, Julian. Thanks. Just before you leave, this is Julian once more. I'm uh, next to the host of this podcast, also the founder and CEO of Anywise, which is a company which lets you turn your written documents automatically into 15-minute audio summaries that are tailored to remember. If you want to learn more, please visit us on our website, anywise.audio, or reach out to me straight away via the website. 
let's talk soon and enjoy your day. Thank you.